Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, and welcome back to another broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Thanks for tuning in. Today is Thursday, March 14th, 2013, just about one week away from the Mid-America Trucking Show coming up next weekend in Louisville, Kentucky, and it seems like just about everybody is going to be there, and uh, our trusty co-host Donna Smith here will be attending. So, uh, Donna, I know you're looking forward to your little trip. You'll be flying out on Wednesday, right? Yeah, I arrive uh, Wednesday evening. So, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited. This is my first time uh, at Matt's, and, um, <clears throat> well, we were at Gats about three years ago, and I thought that was pretty huge, and I hear that that's nothing compared to Matt's, so... It's kind of intimidating, but I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot of people already that I have appointments with, so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, they're both pretty huge, no doubt. I mean, about 80,000 people attended uh, Matt's last year, I believe, just like uh, just like the GATS, the Great American Trucking Show you're talking about coming up around the uh, uh, third week of August in Dallas. Uh, they had over 50,000 last year, I think, so... You'll have to find the time to meet up with those people while you're there. And, you know, Lindsay Kayla Russell of Pilot Flying J, she'll be there, of course. You'll, you'll certainly have to stop by their booth and say hi. Oh, definitely. Um, actually, uh, I've got uh, our VIP passes uh, from them. Thank you, Lindsay, if you're listening. And uh, I just got all kinds of uh, things on the agenda, so I've got to be really organized to make sure, you know, I get to everybody. You're already sounding nervous and all stressed out. Yeah, you know how I get. Everything has to be just perfect. Well, I know you'll have fun, and I'll stay here by myself and live off the of bologna sandwiches. But don't worry about me. I'll uh, I'll be all right. Yeah, well, you'll be in Tampa working anyway. So. Yeah, I know. I'll be in the truck. So, all right. Well, <clears throat> interesting show planned for you this evening. You know, uh, truth about trucking live is largely about providing a platform for you the driver to share your thoughts and ideas about issues concerning the industry, and that's exactly what we'll be doing on this go-around of the program. You know, it's no secret that truck driver pay has remained fairly stagnant over the last few decades, actually uh, overall falling by 40% during the past 33 years, and yet CDL drivers are facing more regulations and higher demands in professionalism. So, you know, what gives? The current reports um, are saying that the industry will need over 96,000 new drivers per year for the next 10 years to replace lost drivers, 
and those who are getting out of the business, and uh, all due to the uh, so-called driver shortage. But, you know, a shortage of a particular industry normally means that pay would go up in order to offset the shortage. It's basic economics 101, but it hasn't, so, you know, what gives? We're going to hear from a driver's perspective. Our guest this evening is Jeff Barker, professional 18-year OTR veteran with over 2 million miles, and he regularly writes for OIDA's Landline magazine. And he's the founder of the Ride and Roll program, a driver health and wellness plan uh, which has grown and developed a presence at two major truck shows across the country. So uh, Don and I are going to get Jeff's take on what he, as a longtime experienced driver, sees as what are the causes of the continual low truck driver pay issue. We'll hear his thoughts on the public image of the trucker, uh, talk about the effects of the deregulation of the industry and bring all of this together and how it all comes together and relates to the uh, truck driver pay issue. And uh, we'll get his uh, ideas on the solutions to these problems as well. And, of course, you are welcome to join the conversation as we get rolling along. Our call-in number, 347-826-9170. So interesting show, all from the one who knows best the professional long-haul trucker. So Jeff Barker, our special guest this evening on this broadcast, Low Truck Driver Pay Causes and Solutions, and it's all coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live. And I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers drivers, owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, 
increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrscorp.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. Uh, listeners, callers lining up, uh, thanks. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll get to your calls as soon as possible. And uh, Alan and Donna Smith, we're your hosts, and our special guest, 18-year OTR veteran Jeff Barker. So, Jeff, welcome as a first-time guest to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, we're hanging in there. Are you out there somewhere on the road right now, I take it, huh? I'm in the state that's north of you up here in uh, Georgia. I just got parked for the night, probably maybe about five, ten minutes ago, I guess. Oh, well, you just slipped right in there in time, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, it's a time management game on my end. I mean, it's I do a lot of crazy stuff out here. I mean, of course, as you mentioned during the intro, I'm also a writer, too. So my life is pretty much a proverbial juggling act anymore as far as time management goes. I mean, anybody that's ever known me for a while and has been around me, they kind of Excuse me, it's like the Tasmanian devil just going all over the place, getting things done on top of driving a truck. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> well, listen, I, so, I, I mean, I know you're out there on the road. We'll do this on your schedule so that any time, if you have to get rolling or anything, just say the word and we'll wrap it up. Sound good? Oh, I'm, I'm parked for the night, man. It's like uh, we can have this discussion the whole time if you want to, as long as the uh, listeners have interest in it and everything, we can have a good time with it, you know, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, have a good discussion about possible solutions and everything, also address some problems. Okay, and uh, yeah, Donna, that's a thing you've been watching closely too. In fact, you were you've been in touch with uh, Congressman Tonko's office about this parking thing, so uh, we, we, maybe we can kind of work some of that in too as we go. We'll see how it goes, huh? <clears throat> oh, definitely. Um, that's a big issue, and I know there was a, a huge relief over the victory of Jason's law, and now. You know, it's in it's in the transportation bill, and now we have to, uh, along with Hope and Congressman Tonko's office, uh, go that next step to um, watch for the surveys being conducted, what the results are, what the funding is going to be, and to ensure that the states who are entitled to that funding uh, use it for the uh, appropriate um, manner, which is truck parking. So, you know, we all still have a lot of work to do, and um, that is going to be one of the topics at the Truck Driver Convention uh, in October is going to be truck parking, and um, Hope will be co-presenting at that convention. So um, uh, I was going to talk about that a little later, but since you brought it up, yeah, it's a huge, huge uh 
uh, issue within the industry. And, you know, Jason's Law isn't over yet. It's in the bill, but now we have a lot of work to do. All right. Well, we'll just roll along, and uh, everybody keeps popping up here. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I've got, uh, what, Colorado, Missouri, North Dakota, Illinois, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, oh wow! There's Alaska. I think I think, think that's the first time I've seen Alaska. Well, thanks for tuning in, callers. Illinois, North Dakota. We'll get to you just as soon as we can. We get rolling along here. But Jeff, you've uh, 18 years is a long time. OTR with all the things we're going to discuss this evening. I guess uh, you must must still be liking driving, huh? Well, for the most part, I do. But I mean, I've, I haven't been out here as long as some other drivers have. But I will point out that there has been some changes. Even during the time I've been out here, and of course, deregulation took place before I even started, but I still know enough about deregulation and what took place before and afterwards to where I've got a valid case to uh, talk about as far as what the uh, industry is like and everything. Well, you know, uh, just real quick here, though, uh, you know, more and more drivers are getting into the uh, physical fitness aspect of driving due to the CSA basic, for example, but... Just tell us something real quick, a little bit more about this uh, Ride and Roll program that you founded back in, uh, I believe, 2010. Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to. Anyway, uh, I used to run out here on the road quite a bit and uh, as a way to counteract the sedentary nature of the job, you know, because I have to get some exercise out here. I mean, when you're sitting behind the wheel all day long and you're not doing any kind of real physical activity or anything, it's, uh, it can take a toll on you after a while, and that's uh, part of the problem that the drivers that have been in this industry have had for a good while now. So over time, I imp- implemented a way to carry a bicycle in the truck with me instead of having it behind the sleeper like most people do that carry the bikes. I actually kept mine inside the truck, and I've also taught other people how to do that, including one of your callers that's online too. So uh, what I've done is improvised a way to do that and I carry the bike with me and during the summer months when the weather's good and I have uh, some time on my hands I'll usually uh, put in about 200 to 250 miles a week I mean considering that I'm a type 2 diabetic it's probably been the one uh, major deal that's actually been able to help me keep my job out here and uh, be able to enjoy life and everything it's been good for my health and everything too man 200 250 miles on a bike I mean Don I think a mile would kill me well, you know, that's something I've been really wanting to do is start a um a bike riding uh routine. Yeah, we have talked about that. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of inspired actually listening to Jeff. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. That's a lot of miles well, plus on top of the well, the, the job demand. Well, I want to point out uh something though. I, it didn't exactly happen overnight to where I could ride that far like that. Oh yeah. Um it it all starts over time. I mean, uh I know the first time I got on the bike after having not had a whole lot of exercise in a while, I probably maybe did about seven or eight miles, I guess, the first time, and then I kept upping it each week. I mean, week two I was doing maybe 10 to 15, and I just kept going from there. And uh, I've done uh, quite a few 40- and 50-mile rides. Now, I haven't tried my first uh, uh, what they call a century ride yet where I would actually do 100 miles in one shot. I haven't attempted that yet, but at some point I will be doing that. But... Of course, that's something you you wow. work up to. It takes years to work up to that point. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, of course, you'll probably have some drivers out there that think, well, I was in the military. That should be a problem for me. It's like, wait a minute. Now, the time in the military may have came and went a long time ago. So, yeah, yeah. you got to work back up to it. I mean, uh, I mean, I commend anybody that's been in the service and thank them for this service because, I mean, they're the ones that were responsible for us having our freedom. 
I'm very grateful for what they've done, but at the same time, uh, we have to be realistic here about things. I mean, if you haven't been exercising that much in a while, it's going to take you a while to get built back up. Oh, sure. Well, it's, it's pretty cool, and it's a, it's a ride-and-roll program, and we have the link to the site in the show's description. But, all right, you know, we're um, – we're always hearing about the driver shortage. They've been talking about one for as long as I can remember anyway, and it's the same old thing year after year. But, you know, if one just looks at basic economics, one of the best ways to counter a shortage of any kind is to usually to raise the wages within that certain industry that's facing the shortage. But, you know, this hasn't happened. So for the most part, you know, when we talk about the trucking industry as a whole, but so you've been in the game for a long time, so let's just get rolling here. What's, what's going on? Where do you want to start? I would like to uh, uh, briefly discuss uh, the deregulation aspects of things and what has happened, and uh, try to give people an idea of the economics of the whole, uh, the picture of the economics, so they have a better understanding as to what's going on now. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, prior to deregulation, it was one of the things where uh, carriers in general were uh, had authority to run certain routes and certain kinds of product and everything, and uh, the rates actually were generally a bit higher. I mean, if I understand correctly from what I've been reading, uh, the government actually regulated the uh, minimum rates, actually. So at that time, there was uh, really good money to be made in this industry, and not to mention uh, even back in the 1970s, a company driver was able able to make uh, easily forty or $50,000 a year back then. And, of course, at that time, that was a very respectable middle-class income. I mean, there wasn't too many people in the middle class making that kind of money back then when you really when you look back. And uh, so then when deregulation took place, it was I know the intent was to combat inflation, but unfortunately what has happened is uh, trucking suddenly became very competitive, and he had everybody in the runkle, including all these uh, fleets that are now very large, getting into the industry and just uh, going crazy you know, with expansion and everything and just basically going in and undercutting the rates and stuff to where it was uh, harder for, say, the independent owner operator to really make a very decent living out here anymore, all while his operating expenses were starting to go up, his fuel, his repairs and everything. And, then of course, with the uh, fleets, uh, they weren't exactly into uh, adjusting the driver's income to uh, coincide with the inflation that was taking place, so... Yeah, we haven't really seen a wage increase in quite some time now. And then over time, when you uh, look at the uh, driver population aging, uh, these companies are looking for ways to cut back on uh, how much they were spending to hire them and everything and how they're going to pay them. So you think about the fact that if they uh, supply kind of medical insurance for the drivers, the uh, cost was actually going to be going up for those older drivers. That was one uh, incentive for them to start going after the younger drivers like they did. And uh, not to mention they had to pay the older drivers more money, too, and they were trying to cut corners any way they can to uh, maintain any kind of a profit through a very competitive uh, atmosphere they were operating in after deregulation came about. So it kind of threw a wrench in things, and I don't know everybody's out to make a profit and all that, but unfortunately nowadays the carriers are not thinking about the long-term aspect to where if they had an um, experienced driver at the wheel, they're less likely to encounter a liability situation that may arise from an accident. They may have to pay that driver more money, but at the same time, uh, if an accident takes, uh, it's less likely that the accident's going to happen. And to use an example, I do know of one major retailer. I think we all know who they are. There seems to be at least one of those big major stores in every town. I won't mention the name of them. 
But uh, they actually, uh, being they're in the retail industry, not the trucking industry, they can actually afford to hire the drivers and uh, pay them a lot more than the industry standard would be. And uh, they're very selective about who they hire, too. I mean, people retire from that outfit because there's money to be made there, especially since they can afford to pay those kind of wages as they're not really, per se, in the trucking industry. So it's a lot of difference there. So it's just uh, well, part of what I want to talk about tonight is uh, how we can uh, get the message and point across to carriers about uh, the importance of keeping the older drivers and also how an older driver can uh, make themselves more marketable to these carriers to where they can uh, maintain a career they'll enjoy and hopefully uh, influence the carrier to uh, pay more money and discharge the ship some higher rates. That way they can make uh, money as well as the drivers, too. You know, it's a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Donna, we've uh, we've touched on this ourselves, too. I mean, basically, to simplify it, you know, deregulation took away those government rates, and then the competition just took off. That's where the tariffs came in and everybody competing. And we, we talked about that, too, Donna, not too long ago on the show about, you know, it's really the shippers who sets the rates. And uh, so... It's just like an all-out war, and when you have, um, and I know, I know you and Jeff are probably going to, you know, touch on this tonight. But when you have new entry-level, uh, you know, students coming in driving for ridiculous amounts, like 15 cents a mile, um, and then driving team, so to speak, with their trainer, um, that truck is rolling 24 uh, hours a day, pretty much, and. Uh, you know, you you can afford to 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 haul at that uh, freight a lot cheaper. Um, I mean, that's that's one of the problems. So, you know, everybody cries truck driver shortage, um, but in reality, it's it's a shortage of drivers who you know don't want to give up and sacrifice their life for something they can get at a minimum wage job and sleep in their bed at night. Well, there's a lot of personal sacrifice involved in uh, driving a truck over the road, but then unfortunately we also have an issue of uh, even experienced drivers, mind you, that are accepting uh, very low-paying jobs out here. I mean, especially some that might come along with uh, 10, 15 years' experience that are accepting a job that only pays 23 cents a mile or uh, some very ridiculously low percentage rate or hourly rate, depending on what it might be, and that's hurting it for the rest of us. I mean, uh, you you. People need to uh, quit selling themselves short like they do now. They really need to quit doing that and, and realize what they're worth. And not to mention another aspect I want to touch on is uh, how our time out here is worth something. Anybody that's driven a truck over the road for any length of time realizes that we give away a lot of our time out here. There's a lot of things, like if we're waiting for a, sh- a shipper receiver to load or unload, unless the carriers take some kind of uh, detention pay that they're charging the shippers and receivers, wherever they might be, they're giving away that time to the dock. They're giving away time uh, waiting for a truck to be repaired unless they get breakdown pay immediately instead of uh, like a 24-hour uh, window that most carriers have that uh, they won't start paying the driver for breakdown until after 24 hours. And we also need to get paid for doing things like fueling the truck, making minor repairs, and stuff like that. I mean, if we have to actually do anything, we should get compensated for it. I mean, think about it. Last time I checked, slavery was illegal, people. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, we, we give away so much of our time out here, and it uh, it just makes me wonder if the personal sacrifice is even worth it. Well, I mean, it's interesting what you say about, you know, the drivers needing to know what they're worth because that's been a that's a puzzlement in a lot of ways because 
I hear from drivers all the time, you know, driving 15, 20, 25 years, like you're saying, you know, making 28, 30, 31 cents a mile. But, I mean, there, there's good companies out there that pays good. I mean, I've worked for them before. Uh, you work for a good company. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know if you want to say who, but, I mean, probably everybody knows anyway. But, uh, I mean, take a look at Heartland Express. I drove for them. They were the last ones I was on the road with. Uh, I mean, I was, uh, oh, what was it, Donna, 45, 46 cents? I, 48, I think it was. I'd go up 48, yeah. I'd, I'd go up to the northeast and get, I think it was 54 cents. I mean, I was, you know, they were a good company, and they are out there. Like I said, you work for one. So why would a, I mean, what is it that keeps these drivers back uh, from understanding their, I mean, why would they stay with a company paying that low when they have uh, 15, 25 years' experience? Well, a lot of times they don't want to drive a government truck for one thing, and then, uh, of course, they maybe want a certain type of truck. I mean, there's uh, people out there that will uh, accept, rarely accept a job driving a uh, 379P or bill without even taking into consideration how much they're being paid to drive that truck. I mean, you're going to often accept well, the lower wage uh, to pay for that big hood that's out there in front of you. Well, the, the, well then they, they, they have no reason to complain then because that's the choice they've made. Yeah, but they still do complain. I mean, it's like uh, like I would tell them, they don't willingly accept a low-paying job and they complain about it later. That's stupid. Yeah, because, so, I mean, I always try to make a point, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, I say a lot of things about the industry and, you know, just, you know, going public with a lot of this stuff. But then on the side, the, you know, you still have to reiterate, you know, there are good companies who treat drivers good and pay well and, and uh, but, you know, that, that's that's another story. But the biggest problem with all this, Jeff, is, um, the CDL training, the the turning over of drivers, and and you know running them through the door, and this plays a big part in keeping this driver pay down. Yes, it very well does. I mean, uh, of course, when you really look at it now, it's uh, getting hard to uh, for those companies to recruit drivers. I mean, especially when uh, people take into consideration the, uh, the personal sacrifice and the li- the life of being out here on the road. I mean, it kind of uh, I, as much as I hate to say it's a lifestyle, to a degree it really is. I mean, uh, you're away from uh, your family a lot and everything. If you have a wife and kids at home, you're going to not see as much of them anymore. Or if a spouse and kids, I say, because a lot of times there's been situations where the wife would go out and drive too, and those husbands would stay home and work another job. But it's uh, there's a lot of sacrifice to me, especially for weeks at a time. Like, say, if you have kids that are uh, doing plays or uh, baseball games at this time of the year, or any kind of sporting events they may be into, uh, you miss out on that kind of stuff, and that's time you can never get back either. I mean, I don't have any kids that I know of, for that matter, but I can sympathize with uh, people that do have kids. I mean, because I remember my father was uh, away from home quite a bit, too, when I was little, you know. It was one of the toughest parts of my whole life whenever I saw him walk out that front door. Yeah, it is hard, and a lot of the new ones coming in, you know, I don't they, they fully don't understand you know the sacrifice is going to be made, and uh, you know that's that's one thing they've got to do. Let's let's grab some callers real quick. We'll go to Illinois and then North Dakota, but uh, and then we will continue. Uh, Illinois six one eight area code. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Hello, gentlemen. It's me, Shelley. Uh, I well, they let did... anybody call in, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they'll let anybody in this room if you if you bribe them enough. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say, yeah, I know Shelly. I have to give her a hard time, people. I mean, she's a wonderful <laughs> woman. I've got a, 
I got to give her a hard time. I go in and make snide remarks on her Facebook page once in a while just to get a reaction out of it, too. So, yeah, But anyway, go, anyway go, yeah, go ahead. It's nice to hear from you tonight. Go ahead. What you got? Well, <laughs> and even then, it's a little hard to ruffle my feathers because I make jokes about it. But uh, I find the problem myself to be a multi-tiered problem. We've got uh, a perpetual revolving door problem with entry-level drivers. A lot of it is disillusionment via the trucking school recruiters and uh, entry, you know, training uh, training company recruiters, giving them a false perception of what to expect. And then they come out and they get a taste of it. There be, I mean, they can't make it to the door fast enough before they can leave. And then. Um, for some of the older drivers, the companies, they're, they're trying to find ways to eliminate those uh, older drivers that they are paying at a higher rate. I mean, you know, as they, you know, in logic of business, why pay somebody, you know, uh, X amount of wage when you can get this individual that is a lot newer and greener and pay them a lot less? You know, that, you know, it's kind of, you know, the business, you know, a bad business model, but it is very common. Um, you know, they think that they're going to get the same work out of that younger individual than they do the experienced driver. So they try to shove them out, to, you know, find ways to get them out. Um, and then we have the revolving door system due to, you know, with the, uh, you know, if you get a smudge on your, you know, CSA or something like that or any of those other ABCs that are involved, uh, you know, the companies want to keep their numbers down as much as possible. So they are using that as an excuse to either turn away a good experienced drivers who may actually have you know, points uh, that they, they incurred towards, you know, that, that was actually a previous company's equipment, for instance. Um, so they may be passing on that opportunity just because they've got numbers. They don't want their numbers to go up anymore. So, uh, and then, of course, when the ones inside their company, when they accumulate points, you know, a lot of companies have said, okay, if you accumulate so many points, you're out the door. You know, and then they could bring in somebody who is fresh out of the system, you know, fresh into the system, and pat them on the head, throw them a steering wheel, and say, "Here's a, you know, be a good boy, don't bounce off with things." Well, I agree yeah. with you, but I mean, there's a lot of older drivers out here, such as myself, yeah. that uh, have very few, uh, if anything at all, on their record. I mean, exactly, uh, exactly. So. I don't have, you know, I'm one of the few that don't have any points, uh, you know, and I've been out here for almost 28 years. I've seen a lot of chaos, and I just I just want to beat my head on the steering wheel because the more I scream it about it, the more I feel useless, you know, to you know you know do anything. Um, but like as far as my own person, the company that I'm with, when I came in, I was going to I was being everybody in my orientation was 15 plus years experience. They were on a safety spree at that time. They wanted people with lots of safe miles, you know. Uh, so that they could bring their insurance rates down and stuff, and now they've kind of changed uh, their focus, you know, to something else. And so I was brought in at the top pay level. Well, now that pay level is unacceptable uh, because of the cost of increase of living and stuff like that. They don't want to do compensate for detention time because they don't want to have their those contracts threatened. Uh, 
you know, break down stuff. We all know that I, you know, I just went through that stuff myself. It's just, you know, self-perpetuating. And then when I make demands, you know, for an increase or pay, they, you know, they let me know that, hey, you know, the drivers that we're hiring now, they get paid way less. You know, because I'm grandfathered in, they can't cut my pay. Yeah, one thing I want to bring up about that, too, uh, is how a lot of, uh, if you look at the pay scale, they, they only uh, maybe measure up to like five years' experience whenever they uh, show the pay scale that you read, whereas a driver with only five years' experience would get paid the same rate as somebody like myself or Shelly that have 20-plus years' experience. And look what that does. That's kind of like a, almost like an insult when you think about it, I mean, especially when the pay rates are really low and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I take issue with that too myself. I mean, I guess uh, – being loyal to the industry for so long and being a, uh, a veteran really doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, that's uh, one thing I want to bring up, though, is how if they uh, hire seasoned veterans that know what the hell they're doing out here and have very good judgment after so many years behind the wheel, it, like you said earlier, would lower their insurance rates and probably reflect better CSA scores as long as those drivers are also very on top of the game, too. If there's an equipment issue... Get it fixed right away. Don't think you're going to be able to blow past the scale with a bunch of lights yeah. out in your trailer and nobody's going to know it. And to answer one of the questions that was asked of why are experienced drivers putting up with some of this stuff, you know, there are a lot of drivers that are experienced drivers that are leaving our industry because they're just completely disgusted. But those that are staying in and but yet not making a whole lot of changes, it's partly that better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Kind of well, it's one of those things where, well, <laughs> it's it's basically a thing of uh, the experienced drivers are uh, trying to stick with the company as long as they can, uh, kind of the devil you know thing, because they know that if they uh, change companies, it's going to kind of like go with the, uh, you, he, if you remember the uh, the Bon Jovi song, Wanted, Dead, or Alive, the, the first words in that song, it's all the same, only the names will change. Anybody remember those lyrics? Oh, and yeah. That's basically, what it, that's basically what it would be if they went with another company. They're going to go through the same thing over there, too. Of course, they might play a show game with what you get paid per mile and all that. And one thing I do want to point out what a lot of companies are doing now, I'm not going to mention any names of companies, but a lot of these companies are going to uh, what's called uh, per diem pay, where you only get taxed for a certain percentage of uh, uh, tax a certain amount of what your gross uh, pay is supposed to be. And you end up getting nailed to the wall over the long term, especially when it comes to Social Security and disability and things of that nature. So, I mean, I don't know why drivers accept jobs that pay per diem. They shouldn't because that's one of the worst things you can do to yourself, especially over the long term. And uh, it screws you up on your taxes. Any reputable accountant, like, say, for example, my accountant I have, I took a job paying per diem. And I tell you what, if, if, I was, if it wasn't for the fact I was a 1,000 miles away from her when I told her that I – was being paid on per diem, she probably would have uh, jumped in her car with a chainsaw and came after my ass. Well, I've uh, I've talked about per diem and written about per diem a lot, and I guess, you know, just still so many newcomers don't understand it. But, I mean, I'm right along with your opinion, too. I mean, it's just uh, my, my thoughts on per diem is uh, don't do it at all. I mean, it's the worst thing you can do, you know. And, and when you sit down with a recruiter or somebody and – uh, a good philosophy is what whatever kind of pay scale they're pushing you, which is oftentimes a per diem, whatever they're trying to push on you the hardest is usually the thing you want to avoid. Exactly. Another thing, too, that they're also pushing on the new drivers, uh, like you mentioned, is uh, that don't know any better, 
is the lease purchase programs. That's what they use as a way to get out of uh, paying uh, workman's comp claims and benefits. I mean, workman's comp insurance and benefits and things of that nature. Like, you know, like a lot of us company drivers that are employed, we uh, get the paid vacations and uh, medical and dental insurance and stuff like that and, uh, you know, break down pay things of that nature. The companies are trying to uh, shoulder the operating expenses onto a, unsuspecting driver who uh, thinks, oh, i got a brand-new truck, it's not going to break down. But unfortunately, in this day and time with the newer equipment, those trucks do break down. And, yes, uh, they don't have to pay that driver any downtime when those trucks break down like they would a company driver. So it's a situation where they, uh, they're they preying on the unsuspecting and non, uh, drivers that don't have any real true knowledge about the historic aspects of this industry. Just for example, they don't understand the slow periods. I think this because the recruiter tells them they're going to be able to run 2,800 to 3,000 miles every week. They're going to sit down with a calculator and base their uh, entire yearly income on that level and not uh, take uh, the seasonal trends into consideration. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things they don't take into consideration. They don't take into consideration the cost of living out on the road, which has greatly increased since I've been out there. You know, I mean, I left the, I left the road over the road in 2006, and there's just so many things, you know, and Donna, we've talked about, you know, the, the lease program, but all this stuff, all this stuff comes together, um, which keeps that driver pay pushed down, and Shelly brings up the CSA, which is a good point, because, I mean, Shelly, the CSA thing really has, uh, uh, I mean, they have the carriers kind of running scared, too, but they have the drivers running scared, and uh, it's the it's just kind of pulling everybody down, and it just seems like we're the ones who see it, and and the, the ones making the rules and regulations don't. Well, I've got a different uh, take on CSA myself. I mean, uh, if you're a conscientious driver that does everything you've got to do to keep uh, your stuff straight and keep your equipment up, it's not really much of an issue. I mean, your, your own PST score is not going to look bad at all. And um, to a degree, I kind of see uh, CSA as a uh, rigged industry of the uh, of the bad drivers, actually, uh, in some cases. But then it's like a CSA is that much of a concern to you. you got to question uh, what you're doing as a driver, too, and what your carrier's doing. If your carrier's not doing their part to maintain their equipment, uh, you get the hell away from them because, unfortunately, with, uh, what they don't do is going to screw things up for you, too. I, I left a carrier who uh, wouldn't take care of their equipment. And I'm glad I did because I wasn't about to deal with uh, having a shutdown on my uh, PSD report. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Well, well, a lot of times uh, when the carrier has a bad score, the driver gets pulled in um, on on the scales for inspections a lot more often because the they red come up. Well, they do get uh, yeah, they do get pulled in more often and everything. And of course, if they have pre-pass like I do, they. Uh, won't have a, uh, a number, uh, they won't get bypassed as many, much as I do. I mean, like the carrier I work for, we're on a 5% uh, pull-in rate with pre-pass right now, so we almost never get pulled in for anything, but it's just one of those things where we always have to keep our act together. I mean, this is like say if we're, if we have issues with the truck, we still have to get taken care of because uh, even if you don't hit a scale, if a state trooper sees you go by with the lighter, they can still pull you over and uh, write you a uh, ticket for that too. So, uh but, yeah, the carriers, if you work for a bad carrier, it's going to drag you down, too. So if you're working for a carrier like I'm describing uh, that is not taking care of the equipment, get the hell out of there and go get yourself a better job. You owe it to yourself before you get drunk down. Yeah. Well, um, hey, listen, Shelly, appreciate it. Do you have anything else? Uh, nope, not pertaining to this. Well, all right, we'll go to um, jump down here to uh, – 
North Dakota. Uh, let's see, area code 701. North Dakota, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Who's this? This is Debbie. Well, welcome to the show. What's going on? Well, I think the conversation that you guys are having is great. There's a couple of things that I would agree with and disagree with. Okay. One of them is Jeff, and me and Jeff have talked about this, I do not think this is a lifestyle. My lifestyle is what I do at home. This is my job. You know, I am an owner-operator, and I go through a variety of different things. I do not do what most normal people do out here in the industry. I pull a grain hopper. I own my truck and my trailer. And the agricultural side of this industry is terrible, and it always has been. I never realized how terrible it was until I met Jeff, and I started understanding a few things about what my time and everything is worth. But to to say that trucking is my life, no. It is not my life. It is not my family. It is my job, my career choice. And when I look at people that I I hear people complaining all the time about the rules and regulations, um, the companies they're with, I am so tired of it. I just wanted to say, if you don't like it, get out of it. I am so tired of it. It's like nobody held, held a gun to your head to get that CDL. Nobody held a gun to your head to take the job that you have. So why don't you just leave? And you ask that question to Jeff, and I can tell you why they don't leave. It is called they are comfortably miserable. <laughs> well, I mean, I agree with just about everything you said. I mean, when I say it's a lot, a lot of them say it's a lifestyle. I mean, it's a different lifestyle than what they're used to from like their previous job. I, I talked to one. I've talked to several drivers before, many drivers who, you know, look at the truck and say, "This is my home," and you know, I'm like, "No, this isn't your home. Your home is your home." So yeah, yeah, I agree with a lot a lot of what you said, and especially what you say is I'm right along there with you. I mean, you know, if you uh, enough of the griping and whining and crying and complaining, you know, just not just truck driving job, but any job. If you don't like it, move on to something else. Right. Um, I just I I don't understand. You know, your PSP score is your score. Why would you let somebody else control that? Well, Donna, you, I know you have a take on that. Okay, could you repeat that? Because I was a, a, actually, um, Jeff sent me a message and said that um, his microphone's muted. I said yeah. that we've been having problems with the mute going on. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, how did that happen? Oh, you know what? I know what I did. I, uh, <laughs> uh, hold on here. I I, I uh, left Shelly on and I muted Jeff. Sorry about that, Jeff. <laughs> no, not a, not a problem. Yeah, that's uh. I've got too many lines up here. I get cross-eyed. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna say should uh, should I be doing the radio show and not you or what? We gotta get the same <laughs> yeah. Alan. Yeah, I, I might. Hey, I might I might need to find a different job. So. Hey, well, Debbie. Say, what was, actually, you're what doing was good, though. What was that um, comment you just made about the PSP? I said, your PSP score is your score. Why would you let somebody else control that? I don't understand this. I hear well, everybody complaining about it, and it's like, if your company is not keeping their equipment up, why are you with them? Well, th this is a huge point, 
And I think the drivers, from what I understand, is they're scared, and I'm not really sure what they're afraid of, afraid of losing their job. Well, with a driver shortage, I don't understand why you should be afraid. Well, I, I can give you some reasons. Go ahead. I mean, even if you give – I mean, a lot of these drivers, even if you do everything right, give a two-week notice, turn their equipment in clean, logbook, paperwork, everything's perfect – I mean, a lot of them are still facing this silly, you know, false DAC report stuff that kind of blackballs them. That's just one example. But I I think the key word you're using there, Don, is like I said a minute ago, a, a lot of them are just, you know, kind of scared. You know, they can't – even if they do everything right, somebody somewhere can blackball them and they're not going to find another job. We get – you know, we hear that and get emails every day on this and, kind of stuff. And that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that because – That's just one example. A lot of people are under the impression um, that if if the company gets a mark on their uh, SMS, that it goes on their PSP, not so. Now, if the driver gets a mark, yes, it goes on the company's record. Uh, but truthfully, uh, you're absolutely right. Why would you stay with somebody who you're continuously uh, receiving violations and then ruin your chance for another job? But that also brings this into play. They might already have a lot of, of uh, uh, black marks on their PSB because they have driven for companies that uh, forced um, forced them to, to drive uh, past their um, hours of service. Or, or they've just simply been driving long enough where, you know, you drive long enough, you're going to get some things for a lot of drivers. And they know that, it, well, you know, if I leave this carrier, maybe somebody else won't hire me. You know, Kari, Kari in the, Kari in the uh, chat room, first thing she said was they're afraid to lose her job. So that seems to be the uh, the overall opinion of most. And I well, think there's I – Yeah. Yeah, there's – yeah, sorry about that, but I don't mean to interrupt or anything, but uh, there is a uh, – there's a consensus with some drivers that are afraid to lose their jobs. Well, the way I look at it is if they want to, uh, you know, if they realize they have a bad situation coming on, uh, all they have to do is uh, go look for another job. And if they uh, get approved to go work for that other carrier, then they can start having a plan of uh, action as to how they're going to leave. And what they could do is uh, get routed to a terminal with their current carrier. And while I do advocate the idea in most jobs of giving a two-week notice, there's some carriers out there and, uh I'll na- I don't want to name one. I'll make a reference to them. Uh, they're based in Mondovi, Wisconsin. That's the only thing I'm going to say is a reference to that care about. I think everybody knows who I'm talking about by now. I don't want to mention any names, but if you uh, try to do the uh, what's morally right by giving them a two-week notice, they're going to figure out where they want that truck at to be available for another driver. They're just going to have you. Uh, they're just going to route you there and have you turn the truck in there instead of. Uh, getting uh, to a home terminal where you can get home or get access to your personal vehicle that may be parked there or whatever. You know, they they won't get you uh, to where you want to be. So it's one of those things where you take time off at uh, the terminal closest to your home, and then you have have the option to clean the truck out and quit right there. But that's after you've already got another job lined up. Because if you quit uh, without having another job lined up, it's not going to look good for a prospective employer. Well, yeah, because then what they do, what many of them do, they turn around and say the driver quit without notice or abandoned the truck. And, and uh, I mean, you know, it's it's not bashing all motor carriers. I mean, let's be honest, you know, a lot of drivers, you know, they, you know, they're not uh, the 
top of the cream of a lot of drivers either. I mean, we all have our problems and faults, but I mean, the CSA and the PSP and all this thing, I mean, it's raised it's raised the level of professionalism higher and uh, I, I think it's just got a lot of people scared, running scared and and and, and fearful of losing their jobs and being black, blackballed and it's just it's just a, a a big mess rolled up in one ball, you know. Well, let, let me give you my inter- interpretation of CSA real quick. Um Anyway, okay, we all know if the uh, the laws uh, have been on the books for many years now. All CSA really is the increased enforcement of those laws that have been on the books for all this time. And if you know if the drivers were following those laws all along, then they wouldn't be too alarmed by this at all. I know uh, the carrier I just uh, talked about a little while ago, their safety man was just flipping out when he got word about that, whereas the carrier I work for uh, – when it came about, it's like, you know what, we've always had a culture of, uh, you know, compliance here, so we really don't have anything to worry about. You know, it's like our drivers do a good job. We uh, try to help them do that good job, and then uh, that's all we need to do. So there there wasn't any kind of enough real hardly at all about it. I mean, uh, you know, about the only people that really uh, got to a serious uproar were those drivers that weren't complying all along. I mean, they probably didn't uh, take their jobs as seriously as they should have. And uh, look where a lot of them are at now. They're either off the road or they're probably working for a really bad carrier. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, well, Cindy, uh, uh, you know, I was going to give you your time here. you have anything else or anything you want to share? Or? I just wanted to say that I really, really think that everything that we have talked about, all everything that you've mentioned, everything that Shelly mentioned, that Jeff mentioned, when you look at the position that we're in today, you have to look at why we're here. You know, we are here because we're our own worst enemy. And yes. to do anything, to start any kind of change out here, it has to come from us. And until we get drivers that are willing to stand up and say no, to take the, you know, to put the ball in their own court and say I'm not putting up with this anymore. I had to start doing that myself. I'm an owner-operator. I am leased to a really great company. But there are times, especially when I started being compliant, I mean, I'm in the agricultural industry. We're renegades. I mean, I remember driving eight, 900 miles in a day and not thinking twice about it because that's what we did. You know, I used to get in and clean out um, the grain bins on a farm site to help vacuum the grain out to load my trailer. I used to load my trailer myself with equipment that I never should have been touching out here. I started saying no. I started running compliant. My dispatcher had a real hard time with it because, to be brutally honest with you, I was his good little whore for a long time. I am not anymore. I stood up and I said no. The other thing I learned to do is I learned how to be adaptable out here, how to adapt to the changes that are coming around. Change is inevitable out here, people. Get over it. You know, to adapt with it. I'm I'm so glad you said that because uh, I mean that brings to mind this EOBR thing, which uh, have a few people out there blasting me on this EOBR thing. But the way I look at it is, you know, I remember when they changed the HOS, everybody was up in a roar, and you know, then <clears throat> you know you rolled along, and the next thing you knew, you wasn't even thinking about HOS rules anymore. And now until they're changing it again same thing with the EOBR. Some things we're going to be able to change, some things we're not. I mean, if the ER, if the if they're going to mandate the EOBRs, you know, so be it. You know, we adapt, we move on, we we quit whining about it and we look for the 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 
the difference, the options that will uh, perhaps, you know, make it as best as it can be. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm glad you said that. That's, that's just a really good point, you know, adapt and move on. You know, and if I can do it, I'm 52 years old out here. I own my own equipment. I've been doing this now for 14 years, not as long as a few of the other women drivers I know out here. But I do know one thing is that you don't get anywhere whining and complaining. You get places by doing, by leading by example. And I will not be somebody that sits out here and whines about things. If you have a problem with your EOBR, it's not a problem with that little machine. It is a problem either with the fact that you cannot run compliant or that your dispatchers are forcing you to do something that you shouldn't do. Your loads are too tight. It is not that little machine. Do I have a problem with the little machine? I might have because of the cost, because I am the one that's going to have to foot the cost. But that's my problem with the machine. That has nothing to do with the rules and regulations or who's ever dispatching me. I'm in control of that. Well, one thing, I wanted, one thing I pointed out to uh, Alan at one point, I think you might remember me saying this on Facebook uh, several months ago, but, I mean, I've been operating e-logs for a while myself, and one thing about it, it's not a matter of the e-logs itself. It's a matter that we need some flexibility in the regulations and we're detained past our 14-hour clock at a, sh- at a facility against their own will, and they won't let us park on their property. We need that flexibility, legal flexibility to be able to go park somewhere else. That Those um, should be going for going directly to a parking spot and not for uh, additional hours that you can use to run your load. So let's right. make sure everybody's talking about it. Like you said, though, it doesn't have nothing to do with that little box that everybody is so upset about. It has to do with the rules and regulations. I exactly. really always quit arguing about that little box. On our last show we had on this, and I think what everybody's up in arms uh, about with the EOBR, and and if you listen to, uh, it was about two months ago, we had a really good show on it. It was the fact that it's being forced onto people when initially it was just uh, people who were uh, really, you know, um, how would you put it, abusing the hours of service, forcing their drivers, forced dispatch, things like that. And it is the cost that people were upset about. And then for drivers, the biggest issue was that they could go in and actually change things, the data on the EOBR. And this has made uh, a, a big commotion. And I don't, I don't really blame them in a way. I mean, if that's, if that's the case, then, then you should be uh, upset about that. Yeah, but well, here's so, my... it's not the blue box. Well, that if you work for a company that's, uh, yeah, if you work for a company, I mean, being I've ran e-logs myself, one thing I want to put out there right now is uh, if you work for a company that uh, is honest about compliance, they are not going to screw with those e-logs, except for if you make an error yourself and how you log something, like say if you log too much time online for to ship a receiver, whereas, uh, and you didn't know how to go in there and edit it yourself, they would edit it for you. But if you have anybody that's willing to go in there and add your drive time and try to reflect something else different to get you to run illegal, that is unethical. It's not the fault of the machine. That's the fault of the company who is exactly. willing to make things where you'd be running illegal. So uh, that's just something and, and, and that's you can't shoot the messenger or, you know, you you can't – I'm just going to come out. I mean, people actually criticized us because um, of our, our sponsor – and as though they make the rules, um, XRS is one of the most 
ethical uh, companies we've ever met. They did not come up with the regulation. However, they are trying to uh, create a product that is uh, beneficial to drivers to the extent that they're even having a driver experience at mats to take all their input. What do you think about it? How can we get, make it better? And the irony behind that is the people who complain the most, you would think, would be going uh, to this meeting to to have their input, uh, to, to let it be heard. And, I mean, they're given like a steak dinner and free drinks and prizes and everything to get the driver input. So there you go back, Debbie, to what you were saying before. You know, it's who you drive for, and you don't have to do it. <clears throat> and you have to move on. So why not, you, you know, associate yourself with an honest and ethical company that's that's trying to create this product to work for the driver. So uh, well, I think people just like to complain and criticize, abuse, and that. whatever other word you want, and uh, and not really think it out. But see, that's, that's, that's exactly it. That, yeah, that's they want to be uh, re- they want to be reactionaries, but they don't want to be proactive. Is what you're putting what you're trying to get across, right? It, well, exactly, and well, see, that's one of my points, though. I mean, and and you know, you beat me to it. I mean, like XRS. I mean, we've got to know them. You know, they're like you said, they're very ethical, very good people, but they're not the FMCSA. You know, they're not the ones who uh, going to mandate EOBRs. They're not the one that's going to enforce the regulations. They they saw it coming. They knew it was going to happen. Just like I said, like I've been saying, you know, it's, it's going to happen. So. Okay, it's time to set the whining aside. Some things we're just not going to be able to change. We're just going to have to accept it. And uh, they are the ones who are trying to uh, accept it and working on a way to make it as best as it can be for drivers. Um, yeah, exactly. I found myself actually able to run more productively on these logs. Go ahead, Daddy. I'm sorry. I just want to say one last thing. I was on okay. a, a forum on Facebook one time. And the saddest thing, the most depressing thing I ever heard another driver say was that they don't have any dreams. They they can't have dreams. They don't have a life. That yeah. the job they have is what they have, and they can't get out of it. And I read, you know, I read that, and I was like, I don't want to hear this. You know, the time that I lose my dream, you know, the time that you lose all hope, why are you driving a truck? Yeah, exactly. We you hear, know, I'm we hear sorry, that. but that's how I feel. No, don't be sorry. I mean, I, I totally agree. We hear it all the time. It, it's it's sad, you know. If you get to that state, you know, uh, uh, you know, time to move on. You know, live. You only live. You only have one life. You know, don't live it that way. A lot of them, though, Debbie, don't know what else to do, and you know that's that's really sad. They they say, well, I've been doing this, and I really don't know what else to do. Well, what do they? Do? Yeah, the industry doesn't have enough uh, independent-minded people in it. They basically uh, don't take the initiative to think on their own, and that's uh, why a lot of them uh, feel that they're stuck in the situation. They don't know any of the solution. And uh, so, I mean, a lot of times you have to uh, learn how to uh, put your uh, big boy pants on or big girl pants on or whatever and uh, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get with the program. I mean, you can't... uh, Expect uh, society to hold your hand forever. You have to make some th- take the initiative, make some things happen on your own out here. I mean, I I may be in a company truck, but you know what? The company I work for does not babysit me. I might walk on 
may not go off for an entire four or five days on a longer load. They pretty much just uh, let me do what I got to do. I get out here and I uh, run my load, and they leave me the hell alone while I'm doing it, and then I'll let them know I'm empty. Here comes the load across the Qualcomm and go grab it and take off. You know, it's just uh, – but a lot of people don't know how to think on the roll out here, and that's uh, part of the problem. I mean, uh, they – of course, when the uh, e-logs come about, they react to it. They don't think about, okay, how can I make this work for me? How can I make the regulatory changes work in my favor? If they are proactive, they can make that happen for themselves, but they just don't think about that way. Well, and, and that's just it. That's another point about XRS. They're, you know, they're good people, good company, and uh, you know, they're, they've come up with a mobile technology pa- platform that is going to make, uh, uh, make it work for drivers the best that it can. But as far as EOBRs, you know, it's going to happen, it's coming, and uh, time to accept it and move on. And um, anyway, thanks, Deb. And I wanted to give uh, Shelly a chance to come back on because I don't want her to be sitting there listening and, and uh, fuming and not being able to say anything. So just in case, Shelly, I got you back on here if you wanted to add anything. <laughs> well, uh, actually, no. Was I right? I, I... Were, you, were you sitting there fuming? A little, I was chomping on the steering wheel, but uh, <laughs> you know. But I see both sides of the argument. Uh, both sides have valid, valid arguments, uh, as far as the way my logic mind uh, argues it out for it. But it's kind of, you know, unfortunately, it's like death and taxes. It's inevitable. We either, you know, got to put up or shut up. Um, you know, if you don't like the, if you don't like what you're seeing out here in the industry, like Jeff says, pull up your underoos and start saying something to the right people. If you don't know who those right people are, talk to the other ones who are starting to talk to the right people. Yeah, you know? talk to them in a constructive manner, too. I mean, don't sit there and uh, whine, but actually talk to them in a constructive manner. Exactly. That's the only way to get things accomplished. I mean, uh, if you're just coming across, uh, if you don't know how to articulate your thoughts and uh, say it in a constructive manner, you're not going to get anywhere. I mean, it's just like if you uh, have a problem in your truck and you uh, want to go talk to a mechanic about it, um, it's going to be more constructive if you uh, try to put it to him that way. He'll probably be more receptive to what you have to say instead of just thinking, oh, just another dumbass truck driver. I mean, I used to work as a mechanic. Yeah, I thought about that I thought that way about some drivers, too, and they would come around, and uh, they just didn't know how to uh, articulate their thoughts or anything. And then, uh, of course, I didn't know uh, how to interpret what they were saying because they didn't know how to put it out there right. Yeah, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, these people that are, uh, having such a huge impact on our, you know, lifestyle and our occupation and our, you know, and throughout the whole industry as a whole, they don't, they don't know from our view from the windshield. So it's our responsibility to enlighten them and educate them in a responsible way what we're facing and lay it out in, like you said, a constructive way. You'll get a heck of a lot farther with sugar than you do with vinegar. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. One of, and one, of, you know, one other uh, area I wanted to get into discussion on here in a bit, too. I wasn't sure if you guys take any kind of breaks on this show, but I do want to talk about how uh, if drivers would actually do something to be uh, increase their level of professionalism, how it would benefit the industry. So uh, whenever you're ready, we can get into discussion about yeah, that, that's what I, Yeah, that's what I was just fixing to get to. And I tell you what, Shelly and Deb, I'll just leave your mics open. Uh, our lines are pretty full, but everybody everybody else appears to be listening, and we appreciate it. But I'll just leave y'all's mics open if y'all want to jump in here. We'll just make it a, 
uh, five-way conversation here. But, yeah, that was my next thing I was going to move into. You know, we're talking about the driver pay and everything, the deregulation, how it basically really began with all that. And and this this public image of the truck driver, Um we can uh yeah we can go ahead and move on with that and see what you uh see what your thoughts on that is exactly so go ahead oh you want me to, oh you were ready for me to start talking right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh oh okay well i didn't yeah i didn't hear you yeah, see, see. i didn't know if you could, I, I didn't know if you go on the commercial break or what you were doing. <laughs> no, we go we go on a break later on, but yeah. So this is a talk show, so it really helps when people talk. <laughs> okay, well, let me. Uh, okay, let me let me begin here real quick. Okay, does anybody else remember the old Head and Shoulders commercial from back in the '80s uh, that says you never get the second chance to make a first impression? Anybody remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so think about something when you're uh, if you as a driver. Um, were to walk in somewhere, look in the mirror, um, just put yourself, look in the mirror, look at yourself and think, okay, if you saw that person from another, through somebody else's eyes, what would you see? Would you see a driver that actually uh, takes pride in himself or just uh, somebody that's very a step-level homeless person or what? I mean, granted, there's a lot of drivers out there that are very well-dressed and very professional out here as far as how they uh, look and everything, but there's also... We also see a lot of drivers that are barely a step above a homeless person that probably, you know, obviously don't shower very often there. I can remember one time I was at a fuel island somewhere, and fuel islands already have to smell of diesel as it is, just kind of lingering in the air. But this one driver pulled up next to me, and uh, he uh, opened the door of his cab, and the stench was so bad that I'm willing to bet that every straight dog and cab within a mile of that truck stop is probably freaking bolted like it was so tomorrow. The stench was so bad. I mean, I I had to cover my nose while I was finishing fuel in my truck before I got out of there. But I mean, of course, uh, you know, you would other people would see that and they'd uh, think like, my God, truck drivers are nasty ass people. You know, that's kind of uh, what I thought about that driver in particular too. But then, of course, uh, we do interact with the public more often when we think about it. If we go into a truck stop, not everybody is a driver in there. There's a lot of people in cars that are in there. Go to a rest area. Same thing, you interact with law enforcement people at the scales, interact with shippers and receivers. Wherever you go, you're representing your company, whether you're an independent owner-operator or if you're driving for a company, you're representing the carrier that you work for. And, of course, uh, I can see where some uh, clerks and shippers and receivers have a really crappy attitude towards truck drivers that they have to deal with a bunch of uh, people that have come around that are very – you know, unkempt and also probably very foul-mouthed. I mean, it just, it's appalling whenever you hear some of these drivers out here that can't construct a single sentence without dropping a bunch of profanities made by five or six F-bombs in there, you know? Well, yeah, you know, but this this trucker image has been going on for years and years, and, um, you know, a change. I certainly don't have the right to walk up to a grown man and say, hey, you need to take a shower. Or, you know, I don't have the right to walk up to another driver and say, you know, why don't you clean out your truck? I mean, what what can be the solution to that? The only thing I can see is that the all the motor carriers crack down and establish a uh, you know a, a very a strict policy of dress and and you know something along those lines. I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, the way I look at it is uh, the drivers uh, should uh, take pride in themselves and take the initiative to do things on their own to improve the image out here. I mean, take pride in yourself and. Uh, I mean, it's uh, yeah, but it's, you know, but it's it, not it's, it's not going to happen. You're talking about 
you know, 10, 15 million people, uh, different cultures, different beliefs, different moral, different ethics. Uh, yeah, I realize we have people from all different walks of life in this industry. I'm just saying, though, if we expect to, uh, to gain any respect toward uh, the general public and, uh, you know, the people in Washington, everybody else is going to take us a bit more seriously, uh, we need to gain that respect so that way when we do speak up about an issue, they're going to take it. Uh, we're, we're going to be heard, and they're going to take us a lot more seriously. So that's that's why I'm trying to link uh, the image in with the uh, driver pay issues. Is where right. we can be taken more seriously as drivers and try to make a positive difference. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I hear you, but I think uh, I've thought about that a lot, and uh, you know, uh, you know, like. You know, like with Debbie calling from North Dakota, where it's like, you know, there's going to be things we can change. There's going to be things we're not going to be able to change. Uh, I just see something like that as, uh, I mean, it, it, it's like you said, it, it's a it's a big image on the on the company too. Now, why don't why they don't step in and improve their image by improving the their driver's image? I don't know, but I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Donna, that would even begin to clean that up, so to speak. You know, they inst- institute a, a strict po- company policy or whatever. But then again, now you're talking about independence. Uh, so, well, I think I think first of all, a lot of the problem, um, the really really good professional drivers, they get really set up with those who don't who don't take themselves seriously, let alone their job. They're, they have poor self-esteem, or they're lazy, or something like that, and they'll they'll see um, like emptying their their waste in parking lots, which has caused many uh, many people to to uh, disallow drivers from uh, parking in their lots for any length of time because of that. And what a lot of drivers are doing now is they're taking photos of these drivers actually doing these things and sending them with the truck number uh off to the company and say, you know, look look what your driver's doing. I think that's that's one way to do it. Now the other thought that I have on this is when you're um hiring new uh new new hires in a company, people just coming into the industry, and when you're paying such low wages, um what the people who expected more, as Shelley brought up before, you know, the the false image they give to the new uh, new drivers. You're going to be making forty, fifty thousand a year. You're going to have all this great stuff. Then when they realize it's not true, you know, they're gone. So who who stays? Well, the people who you know are accepting that kind of pay, accepting whatever uh, abuse is handing to them, handed to them. Uh, whether that be uh, forced dispatch or no home time or whatever it is. So you've got these people who most likely have, you know, poor, low self-esteem anyway, a poor image of themselves, and it's it's increased, enhanced by this kind of behavior. So you have to wonder, does the company really care what their image is as long as they're able to pay that 15 18 20 cents a mile uh low pay low wages that they're paying do they care well i think the answer to that is the good companies really do care and then there's those that don't exactly that's a very good way to look at it. and uh i mean 
course, I, I, I have to commend Shelly for bringing up a point earlier about uh, how the uh, recruiters tend to paint a very pretty picture of an ugly situation out here. You know, I mean, of course, it's a different reality, and that's uh, one thing I was going to mention. I'm in the process of writing a book right now about the industry and uh, talking about the good, bad, and the ugly, and that's one of the points I will be bringing up is how there's uh, so much uh, delusion being uh, passed around out here from, uh, you know, from the uh, employers to drivers, basically. Well, I mean, it's one thing, uh, getting back to the image, too. I mean, uh, Mark in the chat room, he, you know, he, he says, but then companies aren't out there to see how the drivers look. You know, and that just kind of... That's a very good point he made. Very good point. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's all it, too true. That's I exactly it. But... Go ahead, Shelly. Go ahead, Deb. I recently had a uh, uh, one of my favorite shippers out in South Carolina. We, we sit and we dish when I get there. I order a pizza and I kind of, you know, and I and I bring them the rest of the pizza and we kind of dish after when she doesn't have anybody to take care of, and uh, she tells me what she's seeing and then she also she knows that she doesn't have to be afraid to tell me what she's seeing out of our drivers, and I, you know, and I've told her on several accounts. Look, here's the person you need to talk to in my company. Here's the phone number. If you encounter these issues, please. They need that feedback in order to make the changes. So, you know, uh, you know, the drivers can play a part of the customer service issue uh, and, and encourage the shippers and receivers and fuel desks and anything else when they're in, uh, encountering really uh, bad behavior from a driver uh, beyond, you know, what is acceptable. And, of course, you know, the rank, dis, uh, you know, just, you know, jumbled up looking driver uh, that, you know, you just want to beg him to please jump in the shower or jump against the wall so you can hose him down. Uh, you know, the companies need to know this. And I'm a firm believer as far as like that, you know, I let companies know and I have no shame about telling uh, telling on a driver that is doing something significantly wrong that one makes my, brings my image down and makes my job more difficult. If it's driving behaviors, things they do in the truck stop, things they do on the fuel island, shippers and receivers, I have video cameras in this truck, and I'll take a little snippet of that video, and I'll email it to their companies. That's not exactly. Yeah, I've got a video camera in mine, too, for that same reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's such a huge issue, too, though, Shelley, because, I mean, then you have the drivers who uh, – uh, you know, we'll look at you as, you know, oh, that, she's a snitch, you know. You know, we don't like snitches. So, I mean, there's just so many oh, different. It's, discreet. Pers- it's very discreet to do it that way. Huh? If you're doing it discreetly. You don't even have to tell the driver you're doing this stuff. And you oh, I know. Just, you know, I, I do it discreetly to where my safety's not put at risk, but I also don't have, you know, uh, I jumped on a driver today. He knocked a, uh, one of those pillars over in the fuel island with an oversized load and had this I could give a rat's butt less attitude and it almost hit my truck and I was blocked into the fuel island and uh, you know he ended up cussing me because I I kept telling him look you need to go in and say something you know I'm stuck here I'm not going to wreck my equipment I respect my company's equipment rather than you do yeah yeah well my my hat's off to you but I mean all, all and all those things you say how they do things like this, Jeff, too, all comes back to reasons driver pay remains remains low, right? 
That's exactly it because we're not getting the, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, like I said earlier, and also, I mean, if anybody in here has ever been in the military, uh, it's pretty obvious that if you want respect in the military and you want to move up in rank, you've got to earn that. You know, it's not going to be just given to you. I mean, there's a lot of drivers out here that, you know, they may claim to be conservatives, but, yeah, they still think with a very uh, nanny state of mind, basically, that they're entitled to something. Well, that's simply not the case. I mean, if, you know, one respect, we have to earn it out here. It's not going to be just simply given to us. I mean, just because you can have, wear a T-shirt or whatever that says, if you got a truck, bought it, that doesn't give you any kind of entitlement to act, uh, look and act in an unprofessional manner. Well, I I think, um, Donna, there's still a long way to go because I just go back to, uh, I mean, there's millions and millions of drivers out there, you know, controlling uh hard to control one let alone millions that's exactly it i just uh yeah but i mean shelly was uh right by pointing out yeah i've got a video camera in my truck and so does debbie and uh when we uh see uh you know behavior on the road that's questionable too um it's good to uh report that to the carrier because one thing about that's uh that inappropriate behavior on the road is uh making the entire industry look bad and it's increasing the scrutiny that we're under as drivers as a matter of fact, my video camera called a driver one time going about 35 to 40 miles an hour to the parking lot of a GA truck stop up in Pennsylvania about uh, probably about five or six months ago, I guess it was. So, uh, yeah, it's it catches that kind of stuff, and uh, it's good that we, uh, we're all trying to learn to police ourselves a bit, but I think we probably need to increase that in order to uh, hopefully uh, either teach the bad apples a lesson or get them the hell out of this industry, one of the two. And Donna, this reminds me. I see uh, I see Dan Matuli of Transport Watch in the chat, and that's uh, that's a big part of what TransportWatch.com is. Uh, I mean, the the good companies, brokers, anybody, any business within the trucking industry. Uh, yeah, it's a, you know who 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 is uh, serious about their image and doing things right and and honest and integrity. Uh, Transport Watch can help promote that business and, you know, get them out there. So it's kind of right along the lines that we're saying that is that is really something that's needed within the industry. Well, I think I think that the public image of drivers, everybody knows, is poor. Um, is it legitimate? In some cases it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, why is it? Okay. And what can we do about it? Those are the two the two questions. Well, if a company doesn't enforce any kind of standards, for their drivers, uh, basically because you know they they just want to keep the driver and uh, you know not enforce anything because if if they're paying them low wages those particular companies then you don't want to rock that boat either. Um, and how can you change it? Well, a we can only change ourselves, um, and that's life in itself. I mean, it's very hard to change another person. However, the more of an example that is set uh, out on the road and, and, you know, shippers, receivers, and and all like that, um, that good example, you know, it might spread, but, you know, I'm not sure. And then the third thing is the cameras. Um, uh, the there's video dash cam. There's all kinds of of cameras you can you can have, and then report these actions to that company. And perhaps if there's enough of it, there will be change, Matt. Sometimes I don't wonder if the uh, truck driver, the poor image of the truck driver, uh, is not uh, defended enough 
by the companies if they almost uh, uh, enjoy that image in order to uh, justify the low wages. I mean, I've thought of that many times. I mean, that's a very, very legitimate point. I mean, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, whenever you see, for example, I mean, how do a lot of us react when we see a uh, another truck tailgating a car with a family at? Uh, what, what kind of, uh, what goes through your mind when you see stuff like that? Is there something to think about, isn't it? Oh yeah, I see it every day here, and I just get furious and. And, you know, but, you know, again, you know, I mean, there's, what, 500, 700,000 motor carriers. I mean, uh, 80, 90% of them are just very small operators. And then you have companies like yours, Jeff, and, and you know, that have a high standard. And, I mean, take a look at, uh, you, know, you know, Walmart. You know, we all kind of talk about Walmart. I mean, I know it's a private carrier, but, man, look at their drivers, man. They, I mean, <laughs> They're dressed yeah, nice. White shirts. Yeah, yeah, white shirts and everything. A lot, a lot of the LCL carriers, uh, their drivers wear uh, uniforms, too. I mean, I'm not a fan of uniforms uh, myself, but I still think uh, if a driver took it upon himself to have a good image, uh, I, I'm I'm here to testify something right here and now. If you have a, uh, a professional attitude and you, uh, you, look, you take care of yourself and you look good, Oftentimes, uh, the shipper receiver is going to give you preference over the other drivers that uh, are, are not so professional. I mean, I've there's times when I would uh, check in after a guy go out there. I would see him already back in the dock when I pulled in the gate. I'd go in there, check in, uh, get told what door to go back into, back in, chuck my wheels, all that other happy stuff, you know. And then I would be out the door with my paperwork before they even start loading that other driver sometimes, all because. Uh, I came in there with a different attitude than what the other driver had. I mean, of course, uh, you know, they uh, the shippers and receivers have uh, the power to make for, make you have a very bad day if you get on the wrong side of them. I mean, it's uh, they can really make it hard on you, just like a police officer can if you, uh, you're stopped and you start running your mouth towards them. Yeah, you may not exactly uh, make it out of there in your vehicle. You may be going away from there in his car in handcuffs, basically. So it's it just it's one of those things we got to make a choice as to uh, how you're going to have how you want the outcome to be in these situations. I mean, I uh, I love the fact that uh, shippers and receivers have uh, called in on uh, good drivers and uh, commended them for their actions and whatnot, you know, and it's like if whenever he's in the area, please send him back and we'd like to have him haul our loads again. It makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen and heard that myself too, so there is a big, I mean, that that is a big play in the, in the thing, you know, I mean, I look at some of these these uh, drivers, the way they, you know, they maintain themselves, like Walmart, for example, and, man, I've been in a long time, and it even impresses me, but I guess one thing, Donna, you brought up was, you know, how how do we really change that? I guess uh, almost a little bit of what you said, I mean, if everybody's committed it enough, the way you change it, I guess, is one driver at a time. Please yeah, I mean, everybody who, who cares about themselves... Um, is going to continue to behave professionally, and uh, the the ones that don't, I think you do have to call them on it at times. Uh, I mean, you know, you have to pick your battles, but I think I think maybe that is the way to go. Well, I think we I mean, by example is uh, if we all let, if, if as much of us led by example as possible, I think we could probably influence the change in the uh, overall image of the industry. I mean, I. You know, personally, myself, whenever I'm not in the truck or if I'm at home or whatever, I don't want people to be able to look at me, oh, he must be a truck driver. I don't want people to look at me and get that idea. I, I'm i proud of what I do for a living, but at the same time, 
I don't want to be uh, judged by uh, my appearance as far as uh, what I do for a living or anything like that. Even when I'm on the road, you know, people even, uh, a, lot of, a lot of times people don't even think I'm a driver out here. Well, you know, when you sit down and look at all the problems and the issues the drivers are going through, um, and I mean, and, and, and there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, and one of the biggest issues, and this is one of the battles that, you know, I just I just see so difficult to win because there's just, I mean, it's such a huge industry. So many, it's just so big. And but, I mean, one way to one way to raise driver weight rates wages is to uh, raise the rates. One way to one way to do that is to stop hauling cheap freight. But for every driver who says no to a load of cheap freight, there's ten waiting behind them who's going to haul it. So that, those are exactly the fly by night guys that uh, basically. They don't even know their cost of operation. I was an owner-operator myself, and uh, I saw a lot of people go uh, leave the uh, get full staffed because they didn't know their cost of operation, didn't know how to run a business before you know they got the truck repoed, you know. And the whole reason I got out because I got tired of competing with those kind of people. My equipment was paid for, so I, I sold all my stuff put the money back in the bank. Well, I mean, it's tough for owner-operators out there. I mean, I... I Honestly, I don't know. I don't know how they do it with the cost of fuel and insurance and everything else, and the, and the rates. And I honestly you have just to be a I, very, you have to be a very good business person. You can ask Debbie about that. She's an owner operator with her own truck and trailer. You know, she, uh, you know, she, if, if it's not worth the time to haul the load, she won't take it. I mean, she knows uh, she knows the trends in her industry very well, where she knows where we're not to go. I mean, of course, you know, the kind of work she does is a lot different than what the rest of us do too. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, you know, but speaking specifically about general freight, I I honestly don't see how how they do it. But uh, some of them are still doing well, and but I mean, the majority aren't. But but bring us full circle, okay? I mean, we've had we've been hit with deregulation, we've been hit with CSA, we've been hit with uh, other safety regulations, uh, the truck driver image, uh, just you know, decades of the same issues and problems. Uh, bring us full circle here. Your thoughts on uh, what what could feasibly, you know, be done to to bring about better change for the drivers? Well, I think we need to uh, earn respect by uh, cleaning up our own image and everything, so uh, we're taking more seriously. That's probably the first step we need to do. We need to make sure that uh, we're working for an employer that uh, actually cares about uh, compliance and. Uh, things of that nature as far as keeping the equipment up and not dispatching on illegal runs. And then uh, another thing, too, we need to, uh, if, if we're veteran drivers, we need to make ourselves more marketable to uh, good carriers that are willing to pay well. And also, if we take a place of emphasis on our health to where uh, the insurance cost, for, the insurance for the medical insurance is not going to be as high, that's another step in a good direction right there. If you have a good safety record, that's going to make you even more marketable. And just uh, generally uh, how you conduct yourself, too, because, I mean, it's uh, going to get to a point where uh, unless the, prof- uh, the older drivers do something, they're going to just be forced out. I mean, but because uh, one the way I look at it, the younger drivers coming out, I grant there's going to be some attrition taking place because uh, a lot of the older guys can be retiring. But when you have the younger guys coming in, those drivers don't have the judgment uh, yet, and of course, you know what could happen there. There might be a multi-million-dollar liability uh, on the hands of the carrier. You know, they may be cheaper to hire those uh, younger drivers that have been hired that long. But you know what? When they get slammed with a five-million-dollar lawsuit for a 
a wreck that killed a family or whatever, uh, they're going to have to rethink their steps on that. Just like you mentioned Walmart earlier, they uh, they know how uh, how much the lawyer would be solving going after them. That's why they have the hiring experience they do. But then again, they're in the retail industry, which uh, means that they can hire the best, the cream of the crop drivers and pay them well and keep them. Whereas most uh, truckload carriers are so competitive out there where at first they may not think they can do that, but if they look at the long-term aspects of having an older, uh, a more experienced driver at the wheel, they might actually uh, roll the dice and win big and make more money instead of uh, just have the cheap drivers out there that could cause accidents, the lower-paid ones, I should say. Well, you know, you bring up the retirement. You know, there's a lot of drivers going to be retiring. A lot of uh, a lot of the veterans leave in the industry, and that's kind of a scary thought in a way because, um, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's such a huge issue, Donna. I mean, we're we're, lo- we're losing the uh, a lot of the veterans, the experience, and um, well, I don't know. I you know I uh, <laughs> I it. Try try to be optimistic, but it, it's a it's a huge undertaking. Well, I, and and I think the 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 carriers know this, and yet they don't change their ways. Uh, which is what is that saying? You know, the definition of of insanity when you keep doing things over and over again, expecting a, a, something different to come out of it. Yeah, I think it's been Ben Franklin cool, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think, but you know, it's just amazing that they look at it like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Well, yeah, uh, how about higher rates, higher standards, and the entry level students coming in? This is another thing. I mean, at Mats, they're going to have on the twenty second, uh, that Friday between one and five, another listening session, which I was going to talk about, you know, on my announcements. Um, if you want to put your two cents in, and uh, it's going to be a, a webcast and everything, to say what your thoughts are on the CDL uh, standards. I'm I'm hoping to get to it. Um, I've, I've got a few appointments on Friday. I'm going to see, but I really wanted to uh, attend that uh, on the CDL entrance level because that's where it's going to begin. If all these people that they're saying and worried about retiring, you know, baby boomers and and veteran drivers, they're leaving and we have all these problems and high turnover rate. Well, why figure out, guys, why is there a high turnover rate amongst first-year drivers? What is the problem? Yeah, they haven't well, the thing- addressed the issue of retention yet and also being, uh, you know, having any kind of integrity where they can be honest. Right. Well, the thing is, they I mean, they know they know why, but it's going to take the entire industry as a whole, both drivers and motor carriers. Like you say, Donna, the motor carriers are going to have to change, but then a lot of drivers are going to have to change just like this trucker image. And, you know, we talk about the public image of truck drivers, but I think you made a good point. I mean, a lot of the motor carriers have that same image, so... It's going to take a. It's going to take change from uh, you know all involved drivers and and motor carriers, but um, it's a huge industry. You know, it's 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 going to be tough. Well, you know, when your back's against the wall, sometimes you've tried everything else, and you know you are going to have to uh, make these changes. And I'm I'm speaking about both the carriers and the drivers. And if they are worried about not being able to get a job, well, maybe they do have to uh, step up a notch their their own image. So 
Um, I actually, I mean, I think this is a good time to say at the convention, we've got a, uh, Jim Bouchard, who is an inspirational speaker and a social media speaker, and he, his topic is uh, Think Like a, a, a Black Belt. And it's it's really all about, you know, having positive uh, image of yourself and your vision so that you don't become a victim of life and your job and always me and all that. You that you do take a stand, like Debbie said before, you know, you have to make a stand for things and and you are your destiny and and what you do and you can't be a victim. And that's that's what I constantly see with people that, that you know, they're just victims. So um, I, I think I'm looking forward to I'm really looking forward to to Jim being up there. I think it's going to help uh, a lot of the drivers. Yeah, I think people will like it. He's a great speaker. So, but well, our time is winding down. But Jeff, uh, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, and it's always good to hear the perspective from another driver's view. And uh, uh, we'll have to do it again uh, again sometime. All right. Yeah, sure. Just uh, let me know, and uh, we'll be, uh, we can also talk about other topics too. I mean, of course, as a thing, I have a mechanical background. We can even uh, have uh, shows that talk about truck maintenance too. So that's another thing I'm very passionate about. Ooh, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, we'll do it. We'll stay in touch and be safe out on the road. We'll do it again. All right, you take care. Have a good evening. All right, thanks. Yeah. And um, uh, all right, well, we'll uh, boy got into a lot of things there. But um, we'll take a quick break, be right back. And, uh, Donna, I know you've got some uh, things you want to fill us in with, right? Right. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll take a quick break, so hang with us, and we will be right back. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. Alan will be right back. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower cost, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrscorp.com.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since truck were first used by the military in World War I. If you're considering starting your own owner-operated business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, the truck is yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilt's, Volvo's, Internationals, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Now, back to the show. All right. Well, Donna, announcements, news, reports, what do you have for us this week? Well, we have a few things. First of all, everybody this week, the buzz is Nats. Uh, biggest truck show of the year, March 21st, 22nd, 23rd. I'll be there. I, I'm looking forward to meeting up with a lot of people there. Um, one of the most important things going on over there uh, for many people uh, is the FMCSA listening session. Uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration is going to be holding their public listening session to solicit ideas and information on the issue of the entry-level training for drivers of commercial motor vehicles. Uh, Specifically, the agency solicits input on factors, issues, and data uh, it could consider in the anticipation of a rulemaking to implement the entry-level driver training provisions, uh, which is going to be moving ahead in progress in the 21st Century Act. Uh, so that's going to be, I believe, um, March 22nd between the hours of 1 and 5 in room C101 at the Louisville Convention Center. And you don't need to register, and the session will also be a live webcast. I'm, I myself, I'm going to try to make that, um, squeeze it in, at least a little bit of it, uh, in between a, a lot of meetings that I have set up, <clears throat> especially on Friday. Another thing going on on Thursday night is the um, XRS Driver Experience Board Meeting uh, for Mobile Technology. Uh, that's Thursday, March 21st, 6 to 9. Uh, they're, re- they're requesting the input of drivers on a regular driver uh, committee board 
to give them input on their products, what would make it easier for you, how do you feel about them, whether you hate them, you love them, whatever it is. Um, mostly if you hate something, you have to have a reason. You just can't say, well, I don't like this, but give it a reason. And they're trying to create these products uh, to make them better for drivers themselves. So um, even even if you have a, you know, you don't like any of the technology, uh, give your reasons why. Be a part of this driver input that on Thursday night at Matt's between 6 and 9, I, I believe they're going to have a, a, a van or a truck or um, not a truck, <clears throat> a bus, uh, pick people up and take them uh, out for um, – a dinner and drinks, and um, and there'll also be this two-hour uh, meeting amongst the drivers for their input. So I myself, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna attend it, even though I'm not a driver. I want to take notes and and learn uh, from all this, and of course bring it back. And um, of course, Alan, then it's up to you to write the article with everything I bring back. But okay, that's good. Uh, that's another thing on Thursday night. Um, then we have uh, the Truck Driver Social Media Convention, which is going to be held for two days and one night, Friday night uh, on the 11th, Saturday on the 12th, Sunday on the 13th. Friday's our welcome reception. Uh, that was really a huge success last year. Um, we only had it for an hour and this year we're going to make it for two hours because nobody wanted to leave. And so we're extending that on the Friday evening. Uh, great food. Uh, i be honest with you, Alan, did you expect, I mean, it was just really a tremendous event that Friday night. Saturdays, all our uh, presentations, all the networking, uh, the the information handouts, and Sunday we have our prizes and awards. Um, this year's presenting sponsor is Pilot Flying J., and our theme this year is Inspired People Generate Positive Action. And it'll be three days of guest appearances, speakers, awards, contests, meals, refreshments, prizes, drawings, networks, everything that went on uh, last year and even more. Yeah, and that's those dates in October. And again, uh, Cobra Electronics has stepped up to be the uh, sponsorship for all the prizes and awards and everything third year in a row. Third year in a row uh, for Cobra. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Our returning sponsors this year: um, Pilot Flying J, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, Cobra Electronics, Transport Watch, Truck Drivers Money Saving Ticks, Lake Cumberland CDL Training, and more in the process. Um, I mean, that's just uh, the beginning. So a lot of people are jumping on board this year, and we're very, very grateful. Uh, the topics this year. Uh, like we discussed before, motivation and so, social media, improving your image, who you are. Uh, guest speaker uh, is Jim Bouchard. Um, he wrote the book Think Like a Black Belt, a tremendous uh, speaker, and uh, he'll be given a lot of tips on uh, what we need to do for business, for self-image, and a lot of things. So uh, he's going to be our social media motivational speaker. Uh, we'll also have truck parking. Uh, came in number two on the survey of the most wanted issue to d be discussed. Hope Rivenberg will be returning once again, uh, this time uh, to be a co-presenter on the issues of truck parking, which includes Jason's Law, MAP 21, the truck parking surveys, uh, which will designate the funding 
to the states that are in most need. Um, we will be having a show pretty soon. Um, I can't uh, give a definite date yet, but with Congressman Taco to give us an update again about what's going on with uh, uh, Jason's law. Uh, truck driver pay, another uh, topic. This was the number one issue that drivers were concerned about, so we're definitely going to have uh, a speaker for that. Uh, Kyla Lieberg's returning as a special guest for Truckers Against Trafficking. Uh, she's just a tremendous person, and she, what she's done for the industry to help the human trafficking is just phenomenal. Truck driver retention is going to be another topic, and it's going to tie into everything that we spoke about tonight because it really is one great big puzzle. But for those who want to uh, really know what truck driver retention, what it's going to take, then um, that's going to be a topic also. It will tie into the truck driver shortage, I'm sure. Um, let's see. Okay. Well, you need to know where to go for all this information. Go to www.truckingsocialmedia.com. Uh, be sure to click on the sign-up form. Uh, this will uh, allow you to receive all your updates right to your email box, including hotel discounts, announcements, special guests, um, topics, speakers, everything that comes in, um, it, so you don't have to always go to the website to check. It'll come right to your email box. Also, I want to just let everybody know, until April 15th, there's a $20 reduction in the tickets. Uh, you, it's called the Early Bird Special. They're $79 a piece versus the 99 that they will be after April 15th. Um, the tickets include all your meals, refreshments, entrance to your truck contest, truck parking, uh, information, handouts, free prizes uh, to CDL drivers. So it's a tremendous value. Um, well, not to mention the people in the industry that you get to rub shoulders with. Well, there's a <laughs> lot of people in the industry. The The networking is just phenomenal. We, we always talk about the networking, and it's very important to share your views um, you know, have joint ventures. A lot of joint ventures came through the social media conventions of um, 2011, 2012. And there's a Q&A session uh, where you can actually, you know, ask your questions um, and and have discussions. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great group of people. Um, I, I can't say enough about it. We had just a, a wonderful time uh, the last two years, and we do have a special surprise this year. Um, that probably won't be announced for another month or two. Uh, I do suggest, though, you get your early bird special tickets pretty soon, though, um, because I have a feeling this one's going to be sold out. Yeah, the way the way it's going now, it's uh, it, I mean, it's growing every year. We grew about 25% larger last year, but this year, uh, you know, I, it's it's, uh, it's getting up there pretty good, awfully fast. Yeah, so. Um, Go to www.truckingsocialmedia.com, sign up for the announcements, and then get your $79 ticket, with, which is really an incredible value to have uh, three days of meals, prizes, and the information. We asked in our survey what was the best part of, um, of the convention, and the number one answer, we thought it was going to be the food because – I mean, the food is outrageous at Harris, but uh, it was the information offered to drivers was incredible. 
So um, www.truckingsocialmedia.com. We look forward to uh, seeing everybody there again this year. And what's the dates again? 11th, 12th, 13th? October 11th, 12th, and 13th. Yes. Okay. okay. is the welcome. Saturday is all the speakers. And Sunday is the prizes and awards and our special guest. Yeah, and we'll be getting those up here soon. And um, uh, the uh, little special surprises we're still working on, so we're waiting to confirm. So uh, that'll uh, be another one of your jobs, huh, Donna? <laughs> i got a lot of jobs. I wear a lot of hats, everybody. I know. All right. Well, listen, sounds good, and uh, we'll wrap it up here then. Thanks for tuning in. Those on the phone lines in the chat, all those others that I can't see, we appreciate it. And and if you enjoy the show, be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites. And uh, there on the Blog Talk Radio show homepage there, uh, you see all those little social media buttons. Just uh, like us and tweet us and share us and just fire it out all across the social media realm. We appreciate it. And thanks again to our guest, Jeff Barker. And check out his Ride and Roll program. It's pretty cool. It's linked up within the show's description. And it just goes to show that there's more to life than trucking. So learn how to enjoy life a, a little bit. All these drivers who make the effort to attend these truck shows like Gats and Mats. And uh, just goes to show that you can have a little fun in life even out on the road. So uh, thanks again. We appreciate it. We'll leave you with Rob Anthony of RobAnthonyMusic.com performing down the road. And speaking of which, uh, Rob will be performing live tomorrow evening, March 15th. I know that doesn't give you much notice, but if you happen to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin, between 7 and 10 p.m., you can catch him at the Bottle Room for an acoustic evening with Rob Anthony. And we hope to see you at the third annual Trucking Social Media Convention in October. Register early and save that 20 bucks. And people are already signing up, so get in on the savings. Check it out at truckingsocialmedia.com. So until uh, next time, on behalf of Donna Smith and for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe. And, hey, thanks for listening. down on the painted sky It's always dark to say goodbye I never leave your smile behind I take all of you with me The open road it calls to me The places I go, the people I see I bring everything they need And help the world to move along One mile down and a thousand more to go Carry the load down the road. There's a heat that keeps me warm. Rain or shine, I weather the storm. The pictures I keep up above remind me of love back home. Tell my son the faces I see Day to day they rely on me One day you will understand I help the world to move along One mile down and a thousand more to go I carry the load down the road i